Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Beyond, beyond the majority's opinion, I know how to cut it off. Acts chapter 13, going to read verses 1 through 3. We started a series last week, the Power to Be Witness series. Last week, I, didn't, I wasn't a good boy. I just kind of veered totally off of <clears throat> what was on paper, per se. Good boy, Bishop says. But uh, nevertheless, let's look at it again today. We're going to talk about spiritual direction today. Last week, we talked about vision. Today we're going to talk about spiritual, spiritual direction. Amen. How many need spiritual direction in their lives? We need spiritual direction. Acts 13 verses 1 through 3. Amen. The Bible says, and there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Menaean which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So we want to talk about spiritual direction this morning we'll pray father i need you jesus today help us the lord enlighten our minds and our hearts god as we consider lord this matter of spiritual direction this morning oh lord i pray oh god last week god we were equipped god with the vision the vision of the lost the vision lord of the unsaved now god we need spiritual direction god lord we know god the mission but now god we got to figure out how to lord fulfill it lord carry it out lord jesus god timing lord god of things and so on and so forth god lord instill these things in our hearts today and will not lord god forget to thank you for it in the lovely name of jesus christ i pray amen of the church amen you may be seated this morning in jesus name Get a little feel for what's happening here in the book of Acts. This is following the initial outpouring of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem, where the message per se was started, being the hub from which it went of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, of the gospel being preached, spread far and wide. Started with 120 individuals in an upper room that were praying for the promise of the Father. And by the days in 3,000 also was added to that number. And so uh, this fire that was ignited in the upper room was going to have quite an impact, not just on Jerusalem, but Judea, Samaria, and absolutely the uttermost parts of the world. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us in Acts 2 that after the occurrence in the upper room, that when that was noised abroad, uh, came the gathering of all these peoples and nations from the world to see and to witness what had taken place. So it's a message, this uh, gospel message, the Holy Ghost message. It's a message that would defy time. It would defy space. It would overcome every barrier 
of that known culture and world, and it still overcomes every barrier of our known culture and world. And it was going to have a great, great impact on places that they didn't even realize in the moment. As we look at the scripture, Stephen has already been martyred for the sake of the gospel. As a result of that, there has been a scattering of believers all throughout different cities and towns due to the persecution. Uh, we have revisited this time and time again, but as the old adversary brought persecution against the children of God and thought it was going to be to their detriment or harm, little did he know while he was trying to stomp out a fire, he was starting a lot of fires. And uh, that scattering caused them the message to go beyond Jerusalem to areas that it may not otherwise went had it not been for persecution that uh, drove people from their places of comfort uh, into other cities and towns. And so as a result of that, that spreading of the gospel going here and abroad, it also impacted what we studied last week, the interaction of Peter and his interaction with Cornelius and the Holy Ghost coming upon a Gentile nation, which uh, to begin with, it had been solely just for the Jews. And so there's this expanding of the gospel, not just to different localities, but even different races and different nationalities of people. We read in Scripture in, in Acts 13, the first few verses there, that this thing had spread all the way to Antioch. This particular Antioch is in Syria. There is a church there. There's different prophets and teachers that have emerged from that place. A great number has believed and turned to the Lord, uh, no doubt because of that first outpouring in Jerusalem, but more importantly because of the scattering of the people. And they've been there for some time, and so uh, the church at Jerusalem wants to check on the saints of Antioch, and they send Barnabas down there to check upon them to see indeed if they have experienced what they experienced at Jerusalem and so Barnabas goes down there and he uh, seeks out actually Saul, uh, Paul, who was formerly Saul, seeks him out to go with them. And the Bible says that while they are in this setting, that the spirit of the Lord, the Holy Ghost, comes down to separate for a purpose and for a mission both Paul and Barnabas uh, to do the work that God had called them to do. It's as though the call had already come upon their life, but they are just now at this moment being commissioned. He said, the Holy Ghost said, separate me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work that I have called them to do. And so what we understand in this is that uh, the actual sending forth may not always happen instantaneously at the same time that the call takes place. There could be a call that takes place and then the timing of the outworking of that call to be maybe even in the future, a day, a month, for some maybe even years. We've considered this once before, but when you look through those list of names in verse number one, Lucius, and, and you look at Barnabas, and, and you look at Manaim, the Bible says, which have been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, this always, always grasps my attention because he was brought up with Herod, yet we understand that Herod was the one that murdered John the Baptist. He murdered John the Baptist, but you have two individuals brought up in similar settings, having similar experiences, having ex uh, similar opportunities, and yet they go in polar opposite different directions. Amen. Because of how they respond to what they have been uh, exposed to. And the Bible says, look at this now in verse number two, and, and, and I don't know, I'm not, you, you're with me, you're doing good, you just 
trot with me, all right? I'll point, you run, whatever we do. Amen. And so the Bible says in verse 2, as they ministered to the Lord and they fasted, the Holy Ghost then spoke for this commissioning of Paul and Barnabas. And then they were obedient because now they have, if you will, spiritual direction from the Lord concerning the work that they are to do. And they are to go forward and they are going to make other disciples in various places and various locations. So the vision from God, of course, is to seek and save that which is lost. Now they have the spiritual direction of where exactly where it is. They are they are to go. And here's something vitally important from these three verses, in my opinion, in verse 2. It's before they went. Everybody say before they went. Before they went to have others come to the Lord or impact other lives for the Lord. The Bible says, verse 2, as they ministered to the Lord, the Holy Ghost spake. This is, this is something that I guess will forever be in my mind when I read these first three verses of Scripture. That before they ministered to others, they were found ministering unto the Lord. Before they were commissioned to go to others, no matter how they knew the vision was to seek and save that which was lost. But before they called lost men to Christ, they spent some time with Christ themselves. Because it's hard, it's difficult. To have people outside of these walls to want something that you've not yet got a hold of yet yourself. You understand? Uh, and so they, they, they ministered unto the Lord. And out of ministering to the Lord came their commission then to absolutely go. The Spirit separating them for a purpose a little phrase uh, it's been now probably a year or so uh, just kind of wrote down and coined that if 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 god will separate you for a purpose if you will separate yourself unto him on purpose separate you for a purpose if you'll separate yourself unto him on purpose and so god gives us spiritual vision spiritual vision spiritual vision accompanied by prayer they they were found fasting gives birth to spiritual direction. Someone say amen. Because the question sometimes is this, how do I fulfill the vision that God has given me? You know, it's one thing to have a vision or understand that the vision of the Lord is to seek and save that which is lost, but how do we fulfill that vision? How do we fulfill that mandate? And while they were praying and while they were fasting, he was going to use, and this is important particularly for Saul, who was trans, trans his name uh, changed to Paul. He was going to use some of the circumstances of their lives, but we really see it in the life of Paul, their lives to be used as a ministry tool in someone else's life. And so this is important to understand that some of the things that we face in our life and I say some just because I don't want to paint with a broad brush of saying all, but I think we could say all. Some of the things that we face in our life, our own personal circumstances, and think, man, why is this happening to me? It's maybe not so much because it's you, but it's because what God is doing in your life, he's going to use to touch somebody else's life. Because of where you're at, you're going to be able to find common ground with somebody else. And then by virtue of your circumstances, that's going to be a tool to be able to be used for ministry, even a witness 
of drawing someone else to the Lord because you have walked that same, same path. Now, that's not, you know, that's not easy to swallow in the moment, Brother Gregory, when I'm in the circumstance that I'm talking to God about. I don't understand why you have me here. But he may be putting something in your toolbox to use with somebody else that's going to be in a similar place. And you're going to be able to say, it was bad, it was horrible, I felt this, this, I cried and all that. But God was faithful. God was faithful through it all. And see, that's the game changer right then. Because they are experiencing the same pain, experiencing the same frustration, but they don't have the hope. They don't. They don't have the hope. And so whenever you interject the concept that God then has been faithful through it all and there is hope. Well, you know what? Maybe I need to consider this God factor. Maybe I need to consider this God thing. And then that is how you carry out the vision, amen, of the mission of seeking and saving that which is lost. Allow your pain, your circumstances, amen, to become a tool of witness to somebody else that is in similar pain or similar circumstances. Mark Batterson in his book, Chase the Lion, he said there are two destinies uh, for us. And number one is this. He says we are called and destined to be like the Lord Jesus Christ. And largely that is our walk here upon the life, to be conformed, the apostle said, unto his image. That, that, that is our life's journey. That is our life's journey as, as Christians, to be conformed unto his image, unto his likeness, amen, to grow up into the headship of Christ the Lord. That is a journey. I've not, I've not made it yet. None of us has made it yet. And so that's one of our, our destinies in life, amen. But the other destiny of our life is to also be who God has made us to be. Now, that sounds a little peculiar. No, because the reality of the fact, and you'll have to advance forward just a couple on this, within each and every one of us, there are unique giftings that God has given us. He's given us for the direction of living our lives in his image. What are you saying? I'm saying people that have different communities, and I'm not talking about cities. I'm talking about different communities, people that you hold commonalities with. I think I touched on it last week just a little bit. For instance, you know, we have the, 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 the assistant chief and captain, you know, over here, fire department. That is, a, that is a community. That is a community, fire department. People that fight against fires, first responders, have that type of situation in mind. That is community. So if we can, number one, be like Christ and then be ourselves within the circle of our community, you understand what I'm taking? Then we have someone Christ-like within a setting where there are others similar to you concerning a certain passion or bend. All right? And so since your community, Sister Rhonda, is not mine, you, you, you know, uh, for years you've had the diabetic community. You know, to a certain degree, especially whenever Tasha was younger and you had times that you, you, you gathered yourself with people that also had children that were struggling, uh, you know, with diabetes. Whenever you have these different communities, but you're first being like his image, then you take that that community that you're involved in and that becomes your soil to plant seed. That becomes your soil then to plant seed in. Not everybody is a teacher. So, you know, a, a, if we had a teacher among us, others that are in health care. Not everybody's in health care, but those that have the tendencies and the talents toward health care, then that becomes their mission field. 
You understand? Uh, so, so whatever it may be. Uh, for instance, Sarah Johnson and her boys, they are involved in the sporting events of the school. You know, that becomes their mission field. Amen. That becomes their mission field. So first be like Christ and then be yourself. Amen. Have that double destiny, if you will, because then those communities that you are involved in are places then that you show Christ that's in your life among them. Now, that's not like pulling back the jacket and say, look, I'm a Christian. Well, we probably lost about half of our communities if we attempt to do that. Amen. But again, there are circumstances that's a part of your story. That is unique to you, amen, that you'll be able to share. Second of all, direction, you have it up there, direction requires preparation. Direction requires preparation. Amen. I heard it, amen. We need to get a hold of the big picture of our lives and break it down from frame to frame. Amen. You know, someone sees a someone sees an hour and a half show. That thing has gazillion frame by frames that are milliseconds of length. We need to break the big picture of our life down to frame by frame spots. Look at Proverbs 11 and verse number 30. If you put it up there for me, guys, you're doing a good job. I'm suspecting. Thank you. Amen. The Bible says this, this little jewel of scripture. He that winneth souls is wise. He that one of souls is wise. Now, if you read the whole context of this particular verse, it's not necessarily referring to the saving of lost souls, the context of this verse. But the truth is still there. Winning lost people doesn't make you wise, but wisdom makes us aware of our responsibility of reaching out to the lost. You understand the difference there. It's not, well, they win lost people, so they're, they're wise. No, wisdom that is from above makes us have a, a, an awareness of the lostness of people that are around about us. It gives us an understanding. Going on to the next verse, 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 16, Peter wrote this. He says, for we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we make known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Someone say, I got a story. I got a story. You don't have to have uh, an education for Genesis through Revelation of Bible college in order to be a witness. Amen. Don't have to, no, 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 no. You don't have to know Greek and Hebrew or Aramaic or any of that stuff. What Paul said here, says, when we came and talked to you about the second coming of the Lord and all these things, it wasn't kindly devised fables. He says, I'm, I came as an eyewitness of his majesty. What's he saying? I told you about my personal experience. I told you about my personal experience. It wasn't made up. It wasn't fabricated. But I can tell you what the Lord did in my life. And if you want to lead with the most powerful, irrefutable uh huh, message, then lead with the message of your own story. Huh? Because there'll be people there. There are people out there that are known and underscored as Bible critics. 
and they are there and they're, they're trying to find, you know, something wrong with the word. And a lot of them try to come up with stuff and it's a bunch of baloney. But nevertheless, there'll be people that will argue with you over scripture. They will argue with you over what the word of God means or what it says. But honey, whenever you start talking about this is who I was and this is who I am. And that did not happen until I had an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what happened. They can argue all day long because they cannot take away from the truth that you experienced in your own life it's irrefutable it's irrefutable and so you can lead with the story our marriage was broken we are on our way to a divorce court but but God Woo! I used to do drugs X number of days of the week I, I, I sold it I tried to get hands on it but God I found many nights on the bar stool drinking my sorrows away but now I'm sitting on the church pew every time the doors are open but God you cannot you cannot argue with that if you're an outsider and somebody's telling your, their story about how things have altered things have changed you can't argue with that why do you think the greatest salesman that we have today uh, for all these different products that we have in the world are people that actually has taken them or considered them or used them. They want a voice. That, what, what you see pop up, these are not actors, right? You see, these are not actors. These are actual clients, if you will, of whatever product. Why? Because they're trying to sell something to you that if somebody has a story, it worked then you're going to take their word for it because they're not acting. They're not being paid money to say what they're saying. They're saying it because it's something that actually took place and happened. And so whenever we come then to the gospel, I'm not just telling you a story from the pages, but whenever I tell you my story of what God has done in my life, then listen, I'm not being paid to say that. I'm not leaning on the dogma of some other historians or people in my life. No, no, no. I'm telling you what God has done for me. And every one of us have a story. Mm -hmm. And so we have a witness. So we have an inroad. We have something that we can share. We have a spiritual direction, amen, that can impact those that are within our sphere, amen, of community. Paul says, I was eyewitnesses of his majesty. I was there. I've experienced it for myself. Someone say amen. Paul, in his writing to the Romans, said that we must mind, or rather think upon, or pay attention to the things of the spirit, everybody say of the spirit, rather than the flesh. Rather than the flesh. The things of the spirit, rather than the flesh. Here, and this, I, I may have trampled all over this already, but the reason being is that we, if we look through the lens of the flesh, we will see only what the flesh can reveal to us. And those are probably the things that are known by all of mankind, or at least some, or you can get your hands on it if you talk to the right people. Concerning humanity. If I look through the eyes of flesh, I see Joe. Joe's got, you know, a bad life. He's doing this, this, and this. That's eyes of flesh. When I look through eyes of spirit, I see Joe is lost in need of a savior and it doesn't really matter what life has been like up to this point of time you understand what i eyes of flesh i work with joe i know the type of attitude he can have he can't always be trusted 
eyes of the Spirit say, you know what? God never had to have someone come to him that he could trust. They just have to put their trust in him. He says, so you, you don't be mindful or pay attention to the things of the flesh. Because then you'll only be able to get a perspective that is fleshly. He says, you gotta, you got to look at things through the eyes of the Spirit. And the eyes of the Spirit, Christ says, i got to seek and save that which is lost. He's washing the feet of a Judas that he knows is going to betray him. And he didn't go any less to Calvary for Judas than what he did for Peter. Why? Because he didn't get caught up with paying attention to the flesh. But it's in the realm of the spirit. Humanity is lost. Everybody say humanity is lost. That's where it's at. Humanity is lost. And that's the common denominator. Amen for them. No matter what the eye of the flesh may reveal. Another point. Put it up there. Once we are spiritually prepared... To be empowered witnesses, God begins to give spiritual direction to us and to those all who are seeking him. Have you ever asked God and just prayed, Lord, let me have a divine intersection today. Lord, let, let me meet up with somebody that needs you today. Have you ever prayed that? Let me tell you something. If you pray that, God's going to answer it. I'm just telling you right now. If you pray that prayer for a divine intersection or that you would meet up with somebody, it will happen. I've seen it happen in my own life. It will happen if you ask God to set up, just set up the, 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 the dynamics just right that I can have some type of involvement with someone's life. It will happen. Amen. Seemingly from last week, that's what happened with Cornelius and Peter. There was that divine intersection that was, that was for them. We see another story very similar to that in Acts chapter number 8. The Bible talks about Philip being carried away and an angel telling him to go toward the south, uh, go down to Jerusalem and to Gaza, which is the desert. The Lord gave him some absolute spiritual direction of where he needed to go for what? For the purpose of having an intersection with somebody that wanted to know more about the Lord. And so whenever he goes he follows the direction. He knows the vision. God wants to save the lost. There's great revival happening in Samaria, by the way. But God says go. He gets the spiritual direction, and he goes and follows the direction. Amen. The angel was very specific about where to go. He's obedient, and he follows direction. He goes where he needs to go, and he finds a man that's in a chariot. He's a eunuch. And the Bible says the man is there, and he's reading the Bible. Light bulb. I mean, what more of a sign do you need? He's reading the Bible. He's reading from the book of Isaiah. He's not understanding what he's reading. The man invites Philip up into his chariot. Huh? And he gets up into his chariot. And Philip even asks him, understandest thou what thou readest? And he says, no. And the Bible says that Philip began where the man was in the scripture there in Isaiah. And he preached Jesus to him. I like that. So here's Philip. He follows the divine direction. At that place, God had a man that was in need of understanding. That was hungry for more of him. Insomuch that that man invited him. Honey, we, we got to. Slap our faces sometimes whenever God makes the door so noticeable that they are inviting you and asking you and you're not even having to open your mouth. 
I'm serious. Sometimes we get open invitations and we stare at it like a mule looking at a new gate. I'm, just, I'm serious. People ask those little questions, you know, well, you know, what do you think about such and such? And it applies to scripture. Now, fleshly eyes are saying, well, they probably just want to argue. Not touching that 100 foot pole. I'm getting deep. No. The eyes of spirit may be saying, there's somebody, they're asking a question because they're sincerely hungry to know an answer. And the Bible says that Philip started where the man was. We've talked about that in times past. That's a good place to start with anybody that is interested in the Lord. Start where they are. Start where they are. You can't always just open up a 30-minute Bible study and then that's going to, you, you think that's the good starting spot, but it's not. It's not always. Sometimes you got to figure out where they are. One of the most difficult things I ever did in my life in Florida, I went, uh, a, a, a guide came to church and I, I always approach some of those that usually came two to three consecutive times. I approached them uh, if they'd be interested in a home Bible study. And so this gentleman said, yeah, I'd be interested. He told me where he lived. And I normally, uh, every once in a while, I did them at church. Most of the time, I did go to their homes and do the home Bible studies. And so it was just a gentleman. So uh, I left Don there at the house. Normally, if it was a man and a wife, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm picking something off the floor. Uh, but anyway, normally, if it was a man and a wife, then she would go. And so I, I followed his directions. And we're, you're out in Hatchbim, Florida. It's the end of the earth anyway, okay? And so we're out here in, in the country, and I'm going down dark roads, and it's by the Suwannee River, and it's kind of just, you know, I don't know. You know, and so I got my 30-minute Bible study, bless God. And I go in there, and, and I knock on the door, and, and he just made macaroni and cheese for supper, you know. He lives by himself, had macaroni and cheese. And I sit down, and I open up, and I give him a book, and he opens up. And I flap that thing over, and we're going to start in John chapter number 3, where Nicodemus came to Jesus, and we're going to talk about being born again in the water and the spirit. And we start down this little journey. Now, this is a very practical thing in what I'm about ready to say. We start going down this journey. And as we start to do this, I come to understand it real quick. And I'm not throwing off on this. I'm just telling you, sometimes you just got to start where people are. The, the gentleman was illiterate. He, couldn't, he could not read. That Bible study in front of him means squat. It means squat. For that matter, me talking, I'm going to have to break this down a whole lot further. Now, that 30-minute Bible study turned into easy hour. I didn't get through repentance, baptism, Jesus' name, and filling of the Holy Ghost. But I did get through what I could get through, and I just walked with him where he was. You know what, though? He showed back up on Sunday, and he was eager to have another Bible study. Now, I could have went through that 30-minute Bible study, just been totally unconscious about where he was on a very practical level, where he was, and man, never come back, could have ended him, could have made him feel as though I thought I myself better than him, all that. No, but you just start where people are, where they are spiritually, where they are practically. You just start where people are. You want to go in there with your double barrel shotgun and blow both barrels off at the same time. Folks, it isn't always effective to do that. That's not the time, you know, to go from Genesis to Revelation and spend time in Revelation and talk about whether you're pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, pan it all out. That ain't the time necessarily to talk about lifestyle. People want to get people in church and they want to lead off with they want to lead off with modesty. Well, <laughs> a little wet behind the ears, but we got a big towel. We can dry that up. You got you to start where people are. 
There are people, folks, we've had them. We've had them here even. Kids that come back to our Sunday school classes in today's society that don't know the story about David and Goliath. Moses in a basket of bulrushes in a river. And if our society is turning toward that direction, then that makes us going to have to start where they are a whole lot more important. You, you could bring up the idea of God and Jesus and the story just of Calvary years ago. And most of society would be on the same page because that was the moral compass of America. They had that as a basis for them. But that's not today's world. There's people that don't know anything about God, don't know anything about a Christ that went to Calvary or for what purpose. So we got to start where people are, where they are. Amen. The Bible says, though, you look further, I passed it up, but Zach, whatever my next verse there was, it was there in Acts, Acts 8 and verse number 39, I believe it was. You got it for me? Yeah. And when they were come up out of the water, look at this little interaction, being able to start where this man was in Isaiah. You, listen, you know you are a good child of God when you can start in Isaiah talking about the suffering, <laughs> the suffering, the humiliation of a suffering servant. And you can get somebody in baptismal waters before it's all said and done. I'm telling you right now. Because the Bible says he started in Isaiah, but he preached Jesus to him. This is the story of Jesus, folks. You can start anywhere and get to Jesus. You can start anywhere in this Bible and get to Jesus. He started there in Isaiah and got to Jesus. And before the day said and done, they're passing by water. And the eunuch says, well, here's water. What doth hinder me? Philip says, nothing. They go down in the water. He baptized him, comes out of the water, and they're rejoicing. Now that there, folks, is somebody with spiritual direction and vision and knew how to work. Knew how to work. Amen. His story. Amen. And the story of Scripture into the life of somebody that was hungry for it. Someone say amen. All right. I only got a little bit of time. Let me share this with you and I'll get out of the way. Next point. Life is filled with what often seems like random encounters. We've all had this. Did we always notice it? But we've all had this. Something happened in our life, in our day, that goes outside of what is planned. It frustrates us. But what we don't realize, God was really setting up a divine encounter. Be running late for something. I'm just being serious. Traffic somewhere. Had to wait longer at a store. You know, the 20 items or less was like 20 items back. <laughs> you understand? And God may be setting up a divine encounter for you with another individual. Frustrates the tire out of me in particular. Until I realize what God's up to. Sometimes I'm thick-headed. Don't realize it till it's happened. Divine encounters. And so it may seem random, but it could absolutely be because of God. Because God knows his work better than we do. Huh? And when we truly say, Lord, I'm at your disposal for your purpose, then we got to expect sometimes it's going to happen and it doesn't necessarily go along with our schedule. And that, that's bad for me because I like schedule. I like to eat at a certain time, wake up at a certain time, go to bed at a certain time. Yeah, take my medicine on time. I hate to miss a pill have to skip it and wait till the next day just drags it. I mean to see that thing laying in the pill box all of them's empty around it and there's the one I missed that day <laughs> but there's divine encounters I want to tell you about the divine encounter they're not always this dramatic but they are just as significant sister Vesta Mangan 
Sister Vesta Mangan. She's 91 years old, 91 years old. She is the wife of the founding pastor of the church in Alexandria, Louisiana. They run in excess of probably 3,000 people. Vesta Mangan, she's still alive, 91 years old. She is a prayer warrior. For decades, she has lived her life in such a way that she has always asked God for some of those divine encounters, to be sensitive to his spirit. And she is a witness. She is a powerful witness for the Lord in her hometown of Alexandria, Louisiana. And so as she daily asks the Lord to lead her to people that she can help or can be of some benefit to, she's told of different times of these occurrences. And there's one in particular she told of when she was driving down the road there within her city one day. She felt compelled by the Holy Ghost to stop and knock on the front door of a particular house. She didn't know who lived at the house. She didn't know anything about this house, but she just felt prompted in her spirit, that heavy burden, I need to stop here, and I need to knock on the front door of this house. And so she went around the block, as any good person would do, just one more time, just to make sure. And she drove around the block and she stopped in front of the house and she got out of the house. She could not escape what the Holy Ghost was compelling to her to do. She parked her car. She got out. She went up to the front of the house a little hesitantly. She knocked on the door not knowing what was about ready to happen or take place or who these people were or what they were like. And as she knocked on the door, a woman answered the door. Likewise, a little hesitantly, seeing some you know, elderly lady on her front porch standing there. She opens the door and she asks Sister Mangan, she says, can, can I help you, hon? Sister Mangan explained to this woman. She said, honey, she said, I feel like God has sent me here uh, this morning. And uh, she said, I don't know exactly why he sent me here, but is there anybody in your house that's sick or perhaps in need of some prayer? And the woman that was standing at the front door began to weep. And she invited Sister Mangan into her home. And she began to tell her of uh, horrific life circumstances that she had had. And she told Sister Mangan these words. She says, I had a gun this morning. She said, and I had planned to commit suicide with that pistol. She said, but whenever you knocked on my door, She said, I went to the door and felt like I needed to answer it. And God had made a divine intersection that morning for somebody that was about ready to live, leave this life not in a place with God to an elderly young, a elderly lady that just felt like she just wanted to be used of God. Now, I know that seems to be extreme and, and it may be, but it doesn't take away from the fact that it's still true but there are other circumstances that are not as extreme that are just as significant concerning the eternities of men and women within our world that you and I either push off or engage in every single day in our lives love the story of brother Trout man God told me go here knock on the door someone's going to commit suicide and man he was there But the story of saying, I talked to someone about God at the cash out and they ended up coming to church and their life got changed is just as significant because we're talking eternity is in the balance. Yes, eternity is in the balance. Stand with me this morning. So the two things your destinies 
grow up into Christ, be like him, but then be yourself. Being yourself, that determines your sphere. That determines your community. That determines your environment. But being like him determines your mission. Huh? Determines your mission. Amen. Brother Mason, if you come to the music today, the Bible says that God has set the solitary in the families. That's what he said in Psalm 68 and 6. God has set the solitary in families. As each of us grouped with people, whether we're, it may not be a club, it may not be a certain name that's placed over it, but he has put us into the lives of other people in reality. That there are some commonalities perhaps between us and them or there have been friendships that have been kindled or at least acquaintances are kindled. And what I'm trying to convey to you this morning is this. That is your mission field. That is your mission field. That's where you need to invest your seed in the soil. Invest your seed in the soil in that place. Amen. God, let God be the determiner of the increase. What we got to be faithful to is his voice of saying go, or his voice of going where he said to go, or his voice of doing the act of putting the seed in the soil. Leave the increase up to God, but let's not, let's not shrug off our responsibility. Saying the word, answering the question that is posed, looking through the eyes, not of our flesh, but through the eyes of the Spirit. Somebody here is in need of God. We bow our heads this morning. Somebody here is in need of God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Can we raise our hands right now to the Lord all across this place? God, I'm praying, God, for spiritual direction. Spiritual direction in my own life. How can I be most effective for you? In the sphere and the environments, God, that you have me in, that we operate in, Lord God, quite frequently, God. How can I, how can I be most effective for you? How can I be most effective for the kingdom? How can I listen, Lord Jesus, to that still small voice to know when to say or what to say or how to approach? Listen, God and I, God wants to see you succeed. God wants to see you succeed in this endeavor. He is not putting you out on a limb and taking the saw to it and he's, you know, willing to see the limb crack and it fall underneath you. He's not wanting to see you fail. He's wanting to see you succeed. So what I'm saying this morning is this. Ask the question. Answer the question. Make yourself vulnerable for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ because he wants to see you succeed in your endeavor, in that vision, that God-given vision of seeking and saving that which is lost. He wants to see you succeed. Sure, there will be rejection. Sure, there'll be times that people just shrug their shoulders and say, well, that's how you feel about it. Or, or we all serve the Lord our own way. And I understand all that. But he wants to see you succeed. Please don't keep that. Have that to, to, to prevent you from trying. Prevent you from, from putting yourself out there. Amen. To share the story that has been written in your life, which is irrefutable. Amen to you. Hallelujah. Let's talk to the Lord right now. If we just have a little song here, Brother Mason, as we come to a close in this service today. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.